Welcome to Wuffles Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Wuffle. Running backs, so they say, have become irrelevant in the NFL. Well, that certainly wasn't the case Sunday when the Packers lost to the Falcons. The Falcons got a huge boost from rookie running back Bijan Robinson. And the Packers? Not so much. Welcome. I'm Gary Wolfel, and I'm delighted to be joined today for another Packers podcast by the one and only Mr. Rob Reichel of Forbes.com. Welcome, my friend. Well, I, I'm thrilled, Gary, that you're <laughs> delighted. There's there aren't that many people in the world delighted when I show up. This is a win for me, Gary, more than it is for you. All right, take two. Welcome. I'm Gary Wolf. I'm <laughs> happy to be with Rob Rachel. There you go. That's probably better. <laughs> All right. So you uh, are fully recovered from a scintillating weekend? Yeah. I don't know if the Packers are going to be recovered or not, though, Gary. We'll see. I picked them 10 and 7, as you know, at the start of the year and to win the division, and I'll I certainly stand with that. That that was one of those games Sunday that you could look back on at the end of the year if you're right in the middle middle of a playoff chase there, if you wind up losing on a tiebreaker or something like that. It's one of those games that got away and wound up costing you, you know, a, a chance at the postseason. There were a lot of positives, Gary, certainly. I mean, and, and we'll get into all these. I thought, you know, playing without three of his top eight or ten players on the entire roster – with with Watson and, and and Jones and Bakhtiari being out, Jordan Love just did more than enough, Gary, to win that football game. And I know the end drive wasn't impressive and the fourth quarter overall wasn't very good. But for three-plus quarters, Jordan Love was absolutely outstanding, Gary, playing with some real mishmash parts in, in front of him. You know, I, I, I loved, again, what they got out of Reed, Gary, the couple of touchdowns. Boy, he's he's got better speed even than I thought, and I watched him all summer. You know, but the way he turned the corner on the on the first touchdown was was ridiculous. Just fantastic speed around the edge, Gary. But again, you know, and 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 obviously we'll dive into this. You know, there were there were a lot of negatives that wound up costing them the football game. They they couldn't maintain uh, the ball in the fourth quarter. A lot of that is on AJ Dillon and the makeshift offensive line. And then the biggest one to me, Gary, by far is the meltdown again of the defense, which allowed Atlanta to score on its final four possessions of the game. They allowed Atlanta to have the ball more than 36 minutes in that game. And Gary, Atlanta had 31 more plays than the Packers. Atlanta had 77 plays on offense. Green Bay just couldn't get off the field against an offense that ranked 31st in the league last year in passing and 26th in total offense. And maybe they'll be better this year when it's all said and done due to the addition of Robinson. But that's a pop gun quarterback under center there right now in Desmond Ritter. He's his... He's as mediocre to subpar as you'll find in in the National Football League, Gary, and they let him hurt them at times with his arms and his legs. They let Robinson run all over him, even though they went to a lot of five- and six-man fronts with with big jumbo packages of defensive linemen, and they still couldn't stop the run. It's the same old story, Gary, that we've seen for two-plus years now with Joe Barry, and that will be the story all week long. That will be the story all week long. Did Matt LaFleur make a mistake bringing back his buddy Joe Barry to run this defense? Yeah, I, I, I'm not as strong as some people are on this topic, of course. And, and two games into the season, I'm not going to get the panic button on that yet. Especially, I thought he had a hell of a game plan against the Bears. And even some of the defense players came out and said, you know, they contained Justin Fields. They didn't let him run wild. We, we can go into this a little bit later, but I, I want to yep. circle back to uh, what we opened the podcast with, and, and that's the state of the running backs. And I, I think that, to me, is critical. Um, you know, a week ago we were singing the praises of Aaron Jones and Dylan, and we thought, man, this you know, those two form one of the best running back combinations in the NFL. And that, that still might be the case, but – Aaron Jones, man, I'll tell you what, he's he's been plagued by injuries, and uh, it's like a hit-and-miss thing with him. And Dylan, uh, you know, we touched on this a little bit last week. It's been a major disappointment in my book. But yeah, your thoughts on that running back situation? Well, I mean, it's clear, Gary. I mean, they, they need Aaron Jones on the field desperately. There's, I mean, that can't be argued. 
I said it last week. Christian Watson is is undoubtedly their fastest player, but Aaron Jones is their uh, most explosive and, and their mm-hmm. best weapon on on the offensive side of the football. You saw that in the Bears game, and you know in in Week One, Gary, where you know he he had the two touchdowns, one in the pass game, one in the run game, and the really they were almost both in the pass game because he took the you know the throwback screen down inside the five and eventually scored on the ground on on that on that play. Gary, he's He's as dangerous right now, Jones. That is in the in the pass game as as he is the run, and may, and maybe even more so. I mean, I think he only had the, the nine carries or something against the Bears for forty yards, you know, four and a half yards a carry, where he did his damage that day, where the where the you know two catches for eighty three yards or whatever that wound up being that day, and almost the two scores. I mean, the the, the choice route he ran that day against. You know, against T.J. Edwards was was unbelievable. The one that he took to the house and eventually hurt his hamstring on. And 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 you're right, Gary. That that has been the story, unfortunately, of of Aaron Jones in in his Green Bay Packer career is just his his ability or lack thereof to stay on the field. I think he played 12 games in 17 and 12 games in 18, the two McCarthy years before suffering. You know, I, I don't want to. They were they were more minor knee injuries, Gary, that yeah. kept him out those seasons. He came back in 19, played a full season, didn't miss any time with Lafleur, and, and I think he only missed a game or two in, in 2020. And he's been relatively healthy for the most part since then, Gary, because the Packers have figured out a way to, you know, kind of put him on a pitch count, so to speak. So, Gary, you know, for the most part, Matt Lafleur and his offensive people have figured out a nice game plan to keep Jones on the field since those first two years where where a season was shortened by injury. But, I mean, that hamstring thing, I don't know if you want to call it fluky or not. Everyone in Green Bay seems to get a hamstring these days. But he pulls up lame in that Bears game. And, Gary, he was desperately needed yesterday. But it was also on the flip side, Gary, a chance for A.J. Dillon, to me, to show not just the Packers but the rest of the National Football League that when he's a free agent at the end of the season, he's going to be worth some money to bring into your building. He didn't do it yesterday, Gary, that's for sure. 15 carries, 55 yards, fell down a couple times. I, I don't know who he tripped on, Gary, or what he tripped on. He, you know, his own feet, the turf monster that, you know, the the the, the crazy field maybe in Atlanta. I don't, I don't know. I we're, we're, we're still looking for who tackled <laughs> A.J. Dillon, especially on that fourth quarter drive where it was third and one, and he couldn't get to the line of scrimmage. The play right before the Jordan Love failed quarterback sneak, Gary, when Love was mm-hmm. the only one who moved because he had the stamp count wrong. So, no, it, it was a chance for Dylan, I thought, Gary, to to have a breakout game. He averaged 3.7 a carry. You know what his long was yesterday, Gary? His longest run of the day? Oh, I, I 70 yards. Eight. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no explosiveness, nothing, you know, not a whole lot after contact, which is really what you – what you hope for and expect from that guy. There, there was some rumblings and some grumblings and the Packers took a little heat really Gary for reaching out and, and, and putting out some feelers on Jonathan Taylor when that whole thing with Indianapolis went on a couple of weeks ago and, and it's not over yet, but, but I'll tell you what, with Aaron Jones being 28 and AJ Dillon probably playing his final season in green Bay, if the Packers are able to find a way to bring an elite running back like that to town to pair with Jordan love, because Gary, I know we're I know we're only two games in, but what we've seen so far out of Love, six touchdowns, no picks, without Christian Watson, without Aaron Jones yesterday, without his left tackle, lost his left guard later on. What we've seen out of Jordan Love has been remarkably impressive. You know, I I feel stronger than ever that they have the answer at quarterback. Uh, they have terrifically young, gifted wide receivers, and if they could bring a Jonathan Taylor into the building, Gary, at 24 years old, who has the same type of character as an Aaron Jones does, you know, you start talking about Packer people, you're really set there on offense, Gary, for the next five years. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't argue with that at all. Uh, in fact, last week I talked to a couple of NFL guys, and I asked them specifically about, you know, Taylor, and they all said that uh, the Colts are adamant on giving, getting a number one pick in return even before that, I had talked to one guy about this number one pick, and I thought, you know what? The Packers at that point had two number one picks, figuring they were going to get the Jets, right? Well, you know, and I thought, okay, give them the worst of the first two rounds, or first two first round picks, and go from there if you have to throw in something else. 
Well, then, of course, you know, Rogers got hurt and, you know, it's it's going to be a second round pick now. But I, I talked to a guy yesterday and I said, what about this idea? The highest of the Packers, two second round picks plus a sixth round pick. And he said that might, you know, get some conversations going. I don't know. But you know what? Chemistry is really a fickle thing. And they have good chemistry with that team with with Dylan and Jones. And as much as I like Taylor, I don't know if I'd want to fiddle around with it. But you're absolutely right. If, if you're going to go for a running back, <laughs> this is the time to do it. You aren't going to find many players, or at least many running backs, as good as uh, Jonathan Taylor. No, and what I think shut down those negotiations the last time, Gary, is is rumor was the Colts were asking for Christian Watson as as the player in return in the in the deal for Jonathan Taylor. And I'll be honest, it's a lot harder to find a stud wide receiver than it is a stud running back. You you can get by. Th- think of the draft, Gary, in seventeen where Ted Thompson finds Jamal Williams in the fourth and Aaron Jones in the fifth. And yeah. now, he's, now he's got his backfield for the next four years. I mean, you can – he took Eddie Lacy in the second who had two really, really good years before he ate himself out of the league. You know, A.J. Dillon's first two years in Green Bay I thought I thought were pretty darn good, especially that 2021 season. I'm not exactly sure why his production and his play has dipped since then. You know, but my point is, Gary, you can – you you can find running backs throughout the draft. I mean, Terrell Davis was a sixth round pick, for example. We we go on and on about you know where certain guys are found. Dorsey Levens was a five. It's it's not as hard to to find running backs you know mid and deeper into the draft as it is wide receivers. So I fully understand why Green Bay said no way on Watson right away in terms of a deal with with Jonathan Taylor. Now when you start talking about draft picks, Gary, and as you get closer to that trade deadline, which creeps up on us here in about a month, a little bit before Halloween. The price that a team, you know, wants today on September 18th probably isn't going to be the same price that they're asking for, say, on October 20th. Exactly. And, and you know, and the, and the Colts might be begging for a one today. Well, that could certainly be a two here in four or five weeks. Uh, they, they've already made it known. They're not going to pay Jonathan Taylor, which I don't really understand, Gary. I, I mean, like I say with Aaron Jones all the time, if you're not going to pay Aaron Jones – who the hell are you going to pay? And if you're the Colts yeah. and you're not going to pay Jonathan Taylor, who are you paying? Because he's an elite running back and he's a better human being than he is a football player. And we all know he's a pro bowl football player. So if that's the case, Gary, with, with Jonathan Taylor and that goofball Jim Ursay doesn't want to pay him, you know, it, it's going to benefit somebody. And I'm, I'm with you that, you know, you watched the Jets Cowboys game yesterday and, and we know what the Jets schedule looks like. Uh, you know, with with Zach Wilson under center, Gary, that's probably going to be a five six win football team. He yeah. is, is as good as the defense is. You, you still need to score points in that league. Uh, if they fall down a score or two, they're they're pretty much done because they're going to ask Wilson to chuck it around and they can't block for him. So, the, you know, my point is, Gary, that that pick coming back from the Jets, you know, it's it it could be a high second. Let's call it, you know, Absolutely. 30, 39, 40. Maybe yeah. somewhere in there in the first eight picks or something of of round two, Green Bay is going to have its own second round pick, which I would assume let let's guess it's going to fall in the middle, maybe the later part of the second round, because I do still think this football team's going to win a decent amount of games. I would never give up my one for a running back, Gary. It's it you know again, it's to me, it's just not a a position for the most part that I put a a, a first round grade on. Um, now B. John Robinson might be a different animal and. He's and a different animal, Rob. He's a different animal. <laughs> oh, there's, there's no doubt about it. There's a few like that in the league, Gary. And, and if you can get one, maybe you do. Is Taylor one of those guys? He's probably in the discussion, isn't he? He's probably on the bubble with that. But, but I'm with you. I, I wouldn't give up a one. I'd give up a two and maybe a later pick to get Jonathan Taylor. You probably let these two current guys leave at the end of the season and you pay Jonathan Taylor and you move forward with all those really gifted young wide receivers with a quarterback who I think is the answer, Gary, and a Pro Bowl running back and a lot of good offensive linemen. And you're probably going to win a heck of a lot of football games. Yeah, the the only concern I have about Taylor is his health and whether the Colts know something that the rest of the world doesn't know at this point. You know how how banged up it is because it is it is really baffling that they wouldn't pay the money for this dude. Uh, he, he's proven himself already in the last couple of years. And if I'm the Packers, 
to me, this is inevitable. They're going to have to get a running back at, at some point. You know, I mean, let's face it, Dylan is not a starting caliber running back. And with Aaron Jones, like we had uh, said earlier, his his injury situation it is a, a concern. I'll tell you, that, that's a tough call. But if push came to shove, I would make the trade. And I, I know it's going to ruffle feathers and everything else, but like you said, you add Jonathan Taylor to that mix. My goodness, that, that would be just one hell of an offense. Gary, keep in mind, Taylor's 24, and I know he's got some tread on the tires from his time at Wisconsin where they gave him the ball a lot. But he did get out of there in three years, which was smart on his part because they were going to run him into the ground, and and rightfully so because he won him a heck of a lot of football games. Heavy workload early in his career in Indianapolis, but again, he's still 24. I think he's got one big contract left in him. You take him to about 28 and and you turn the page. Gary, you might ruffle some feathers in, in that locker room for five minutes, but as but as soon as Taylor goes out there against Minnesota and carries it 21 times for a buck 42 and a couple of touchdowns, none of those feathers are going to be ruffled anymore. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that right now. He's yeah. You know what? I, I, th- I, th- I still think I, I've seen it happen too many times where they brought in a player and, and, and Dylan and Jones are really well liked in, and, and I think they like their roles as it is. And if you bring in Taylor, somebody's not playing, <laughs> you know, if they're going to play, it's going to be very little, you know? Well, Gary, you're not as much worried about 2023 as you are 2024 and 2025. I mean, if you, Absol- bring, in, absolutely. If you, bring, if you bring in Jonathan Taylor, Gary, Aaron Jones and, and A.J. Dillon are no longer part of your future. You know, yeah. Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor is your future. And who knows? Maybe even a guy like Dillon goes then in that trade back to, you know, back to Indianapolis. You, you, you never know how those pieces are. are true, true. Themselves. Yeah, you if know, that happened, I'm totally on board with one, it. One of those guys could could certainly be moved in in that deal. But you know, I, I, again, if you're if you're Brian Gutekunst, let, let, let's be honest. Th- this is largely a transitional year in Green Bay. You're letting the young guys grow up. You're going to get games like Sunday. And I told this to Packer fans all through the summer. You know, you're 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 going to have some tough losses along the way. Um, don't get too high or too low because this season is is all about letting these young guys play. The young skill guys get six, seven, eight hundred snaps. You have them grow up, and in twenty twenty four, you know you you you've got a chance to be really good. Probably win eleven, twelve games, chase some things in in the conference. I think by twenty twenty five, you're chasing a Super Bowl if all these guys grow up the way you you, you hope they do when they're in their third, fourth year, the prime of their lives at twenty four, twenty five years old, not twenty one, twenty two years old, which which a lot of these guys are right now on offense. So, you know, you're thinking big picture, you're thinking macro, not micro if you're Brian Gutekunst. You you you're thinking about 2024, 2025. How do I hoist a Lombardi trophy? Well, in 2025, Aaron Jones is 30, 31 years old. AJ Dillon who knows? He's average today. He's, he's below average today. He's not going to be any better in 2025. Jonathan Taylor would be 26 years old and and arguably Gary still one of the best running backs in football. You'd have a Jordan Love in his third year as a starter. You'd have Christian Watson in his fourth year as a starter. Romeo Dobbs in his fourth year as a starter. Luke Musgrave in his third year as a starter. Jaden Reed in his third year as a starter. You would have one heck of an offense, Gary, if yeah. you if, if Taylor holds up and he and he's your back moving forward. And I don't know that I don't know that the back is on the roster today that is is gonna lead you to a Super Bowl in a couple of years. No, not at all not at all. When we opened up the show, we were talking about how the running back has been devalued. But you look at Bijan Robinson, it just shows you how you can carry a team with a very good running back. They like you said, they they have a I'm not even saying he's a mediocre quarterback in Desmond Ritter, but the Falcons don't win that game yesterday without Robinson. I mean, he he put the Falcons on his back. I mean, what a what a great running back. And uh, if you can add that dimension, man, I'll tell you what. Like I said before, it's only inevitable that they're going to have to get a running back, and this is going to be a prize op- prize uh, opportunity for them. I'm still a believer, Gary, and the Chiefs showed you this last year. You don't need a Pro Bowl running back to win a Super Bowl. I mean, they they won a Super Bowl last year with a seventh round draft pick, a rookie back as 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 their lead back. The year before, the Rams yeah, won yeah. it, kind of with a mishmash unit at, at at running back. If you have one, you obviously it increases your odds, and you can do a lot more things on offense. But if you have unique player 
uh, a, a unique player like a Mahomes or well, whatever, that's that's the catch. Allen, an Allen under yeah. under center, then then you probably don't need one. Do the Packers have that right now? And Jordan Love probably not today, but all signs tell me right now, Gary, he's on his way to being a top ten quarterback, and and we we can get into that a little bit here. But I I thought his day yesterday. You know, outside that final drive, and 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 again, you're going to have growing pains with a young quarterback, and and that, you know, some of what we saw in the fourth quarter was 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 pretty ugly. Let's let's be honest. You know, where where Jordan Love was the only one who moved on on the fourth and one play, and they got hit with the false start, and that final drive where he went oh for four and and missed an open dubs on third down, and um, you know, there were some ugly moments at the end, Gary, but for three plus quarters, he put that team on his back and that offense on his back. And as shorthanded as they were, they almost found a way to win a football game. Oh, exactly. The only guy who was probably more disappointed than me yesterday from a Packers standpoint was Jair Alexander. I mean, he's the highest paid cornerback in the NFL. He's a he's a pretty damn good player. But I'll tell you what, he, he didn't bring his A game yesterday. I mean, he made a blunder after blunder after blunder. And this is something I wanted to talk to you specifically about today about Alexander. Rob, um, was it Ron Wolf or Ted Thompson after they got, you know, burned somewhat by drafting Buckley, a mid- midget side corner, they decided like they're going to put limitations on the height of their cornerbacks. And I thought it was like six foot, if I'm not mistaken. And if there's one flaw that I see to Alexander's game is the fact that he's 5'10 and, and that might be generous. I, I'm not so sure he's even that big. But where I've noticed he's had problems is guarding bigger, lankier receivers. And yesterday he had Drake London a bunch of times, and he couldn't handle him. I think Drake London's, what, 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, I just think that that's an issue going forward. Yeah, that was a Ron Wolf rule, Gary, that, you know, that, that, that he put in. And like you said, he put it in a, a, after Buckley. And, and you're right, London, London is 6'4". He's a bigger, bigger, stronger guy. I'll be honest, though, Gary, I think Jair Alexander's biggest problem is Jair Alexander thinks he's better than he is. And he and he plays with argument a, here. And he plays with a <laughs> cockiness and a swagger, Gary. That's obviously important to that position. But but I, I think he takes it a notch too far. Um yes. and I and and I do think deep down, I hey, is he one of the top ten corners in football? Absolutely. Is he the best corner in football? No way. And he thinks he's the best, and he's paid, and he's paid like the best. So I guess he should think he's the best. Gary, he's a huge reason they lost that football game yesterday. You know, it, it was seven three, and and Ritter threw the ball right to him, and he dropped it. What, what should have been a fifty nine yard touchdown uh, pick six, and 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 you know his his stone hands leave leaves the ball on the ground instead of racing to the end zone to make it 14 to three. I mean, that, that, that was a critical early drop in, in that game, Gary, on what should have been a turnover play. And Quay Walker had one too, you know, um, and you know me, Gary, I, I'm not a Joe Barry fan. I think he's the wrong really? guy. I, I think he's the wrong guy <laughs> for that job, but his, you know, that's a totally different game yesterday. If his players do what they're taught to do and coach. Yeah, to do. Absolutely. Simply absolutely. catch the football. You know, if Alexander catches the ball, if Quay Walker catches the ball, like Quay Walker did Gary in the Chicago game, when he ran it back for a touchdown and trucked some people along the way. Um, I mean, Green Bay might've had two pick six in that game uh, because Walker had a path himself, but, but Gary back to Alexander. I mean, he, I, I don't know. He, he plays loosey goosey to me at times. He'll give some cushion and, and try to bait quarterbacks and then give some things up. I, I don't think at times he treats his opponents with the level of respect that maybe they deserve. I think he probably looked at a box score last week and saw that Drake London had zero catches in the opener and thought he had kind of an off night coming yesterday. And, and London hurt him time and time again, you know, on that game winning drive, Gary, how does Atlanta get it started, right? London smokes Alexander for 24 yards on the first play of the drive, and the Falcons are off and moving uh, on their way to taking that 25-24 lead. I, I think Alexander needs to talk less, play more, focus on his opponent, and get himself locked back in. And, 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 and they'll tell you, Gary, that he is locked in, and that's just Jair, and that's his style of play, blah, blah, blah. But I, I'm telling you what, there are times out there he just seems too nonchalant and casual to me, 
A couple of his tackle efforts yesterday were just a joke. Um, yeah. It reminded me of Deion Sanders just lowering his head and, and hoping and praying for the best and not even not even outstretching his arms and trying to lock anybody up and just and he winds up whiffing. It was all top to bottom, Gary, for a guy that makes $21 million a year, you know, $1.25 million a game. That was an absolutely horrendous performance by Jair. He almost makes as much as you make on this podcast. I think I need a new agent then. You got to renegotiate. There, there you go. What's David Falk doing these days? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know what? I, I, I'm not going to uh, slice and dice Jair Alexander. I mean, for the most part, like you said, he, he's one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. But um, And yesterday, in, in fairness again to Alexander, London's a heck of a receiver. There was a reason. What was he? He was a top 10 pick, right? Somewhere in yeah, he point. went eight. He went yeah. eight. But Gary, let let me interrupt you for a minute. You know, yesterday is one of those games where, you know, at 1030 in the morning, you probably knew already on Friday or Saturday, you weren't going to have Watson, Jones, Bakhtiari, right? Three of your top 10 players. Now they're all on the offensive side of the football. So if, if, if you're a defensive member of the Green Bay Packers and, and there are first round draft picks floating all around that side of the ball, as we've talked about many times on this podcast, eight of them all together. And you're Jair Alexander, and you know you're probably one of Green Bay's five most important players. And the offense is now without three of, let's call it, their six or eight most important people. You know that you've got to be outstanding in that football game for the Packers to win. They might have even, you know, I would have gone into that game if I'm the the defense, Gary, thinking to myself, we probably got to score once or twice in this game for us to leave victorious. You know, that. Hey, maybe we need a defensive touchdown in this game. If you're Keyshawn Nixon, you're thinking, I, I got to bring a kickoff back because the offense is going to be limited. So for Alexander to have that kind of performance in a game where they needed him more than any time, Gary, that maybe they're going to need him this year. The only word I can think of is dreadful. I mean, it was just, it was, it was atrocious, Gary. Just, just they, they needed him to step up and he completely let him down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, no argument from this veteran scribe. Uh, just one other thing about Drake London. You know, he he didn't have a catch in the in the opening week, but I'll tell you what, he he's really a smooth player. Um, on on that touchdown pass, Rob, he he clearly pushed off. I mean, it was a subtle push off. I mean, he did a real slyly, you know. And then on another catch, he did the same thing. He pushed off, and I thought both times. I thought with Alexander's reputation, they would call offensive pass interference on both plays, and they didn't. Now, now conversely, Alexander should have responded, you know, uh, much better to that those push-offs and, and played a much more aggressive. But, yeah, that, that uh, poor play by Alexander yesterday came back and uh, bit him. Gary, it's not the NBA. Thank God it isn't. Amen to that. Right, right. You know, where where a Michael Jordan and a Larry Bird got every call in the world, you you, you don't get that on reputation in the National Football League, I guess, unless you're, you know, one of maybe six or eight or ten quarterbacks in the league. Then you do. I I don't see it a lot. And and we know, Gary, that this is an offensive league. The 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 commissioner, the owners, everybody wants scores 34, 31, right? 37, 34, 40, 36, whatever. They mm-hmm. love points. They love offense. It's pretty darn tough. You don't see a whole lot of offensive pass interference penalties called in this league unless it's remarkably blatant. And you're right. Yeah. Yeah. London's only in his second year, but he's he's kind of a wily veteran already in, in some of those smooth, crafty moves that, you know, little subtleties that he can he can deliver through the through the course of a football game. And and again, unless it's blatant. You're not going to get that call, even even if you are the highest paid corner in the league like Jair is. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, the Packers have the distinction of being one of only two teams in the NFC North to have a win this year. (laughs) (laughs) I I know this is a a hot-button topic with you, but the only other team in the NFC North that has been victorious so far this season was the Lions and they beat the Chiefs, which was a major upset, but the Chiefs were without uh, Kelsey. And uh, who who's their defense tackle? He Chris was, Jones. Chris Jones, yeah. So, I mean, you kind of put an asterisk there about that victory. But uh, the NFC North stumbled, has stumbled out of the blocks. They're, what, two and six? And, uh, you know, you, you said this is kind of a transition year for the Packers, and it is. 
But at the same point, this division is so shaky that even in a transition year, I believe they're capable of still winning the division. 100%, Gary. When when Green Bay is healthy, it's top 10 players rival any top 10 players in the league. And we, we talked about this la- last week on the podcast. The thing is, you know, they're just, they're just young and, you know, in that middle part there between, let's call it 12 and 30, um, they, they've got incredible youth. But but the division is incredibly wide open. I mean, Gary, look, they everybody, there, there was not a divisional matchup yesterday. Everybody went outside the division, and the, and the NFC North went 0-4. Mm-hmm. Um, or through through the course, since Thursday night when Minnesota lost to Philly, the Bears, the Bears get beat up in Tampa. Green Bay loses to Nailbiter. The Lions lose in overtime at home to to Seattle. They're two and six as a division. They're one and five, Gary, outside the division, which is telling. I mean, one of the two wins, somebody had to win that game, right? Between yeah, right. and Chicago. So right. no, it's 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 a bad division. Chicago looks like it's headed on its way, you know, back to that, you know, top five, maybe even the number one pick in the draft again. Everything we all know this. Everything went right last year for Minnesota. Eleven and zero in one score games. There's no way that's happening again. It already hasn't. Um, they are they are zero and two, Gary. They got the Chargers this week, I think, coming up. Um, they they could certainly be zero and three when we do our podcast a week from now. I think the Lions are a playoff team, and I think Green Bay is going to win the division, Gary. I I still stand by that. The the the, the schedule is soft. I I love the young talent. They they've got enough pieces at the top of the roster to win football games. The key with Green Bay, Gary, is going to come down simply to health. Can Aaron Jones play 14 games? Can David Bakhtiari play 13 games? Can Christian Watson play 13 or 14 games? Early indications are that's going to be a challenge, especially with Bakhtiari. As Lafleur told us yesterday, uh, Gary, they're going to be dealing with this thing with Bakhtiari all year long. I mean, it's only September 18th, and yeah. he's telling everybody, we're dealing with David's knee all year long. That, that That's not a good sign. It probably leads me to think that maybe they get six, eight, nine games, something like that out of Bakhtiari if they're lucky. Maybe he's got a stint coming up where he goes on IR or something like that. Um, they had to play with a makeshift line yesterday, especially after Elton Jenkins went down. We'll find out more on his knee injury today and how long how long that's going to go. Um, but, Gary, if Green Bay is healthy, especially with Watson and, and Jones back, um, and they can piece together – 12 games, let's say, out of Bakhtiari. I, I I do think they've got enough star power up top and enough good young players that they're going to win this really, really bad division. Yeah. yeah. You know, Rob, talking about injuries, all these NFL teams paddle their players during preseason, right? And they say, hey, we want to make sure they're healthy for the for the regular season. They, they seldom see the field during preseason. And here we are two weeks into the season, and the Packers, I mean, I don't think it's an exaggeration. They're ravaged by injuries. <laughs> when, when you lose Watson, you lose Bakhtiari, you lose Jenkins, you still don't have Stokes back, Aaron Jones. I mean, two weeks into a 17-game season, and they got injury problems. And, and it's like, okay, great. They didn't play in preseason, most of these guys, and here we are, two weeks into the regular season, and they're all banged up. I mean, it's crazy. So, Gary, you know, and you know my thoughts on this. We, we live in a world that's in, incredibly soft, and and all these guys are babied so much when they're actually asked to do something, yeah. their bodies can't respond and react to it. I, I read a stat the other day about about Major League Baseball, and, and my beef there is that everybody comes out after five and a third innings and 86 pitches these days. And every position player needs a day or two off. There are no Cal Ripkins anymore. There are no Robin Younts anymore. In Major League Baseball, do you know what two seasons have seen the most players in history go to the disabled list? Because I, 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 I refuse to call it that new term, Gary. It's the disabled list. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would imagine the past two. <laughs> yes. The yeah. last two years. I know. I, I, I couldn't agree with they you. They baby and pamper these guys like never before. Corbin Burns is at 79 pitches and, and little Craig has to take him out of the game. I mean, it's it, it's so sickening to me, Gary. And, and the National Football League is largely the same way. They, they try to bubble wrap players through the majority of the summer. There's no tackling to the ground. There's no live hitting. 
So what happens when, when you actually do get hit on September 10th in your season opener, something bad happens and and you wind up going, you know, to the sitting out three, four games or, or, or you go to the pup list or something like that or injured reserve or whatever it is. And, and no, you're, you're right. We're, we're, we're game three um, of, of the season coming up in green Bay's already as, as much as Matt LaFleur tried to protect his guys all summer, he still hasn't had Watson Jones. We'll see how long that lasts, you know, but it's, it's his most explosive player on offense. And, and, and I guess Bakhtiari's a little bit out of their control, Gary, they're doing everything possible to try to get him on the field every given Sunday, even by never having him practice. I mean, he hasn't practiced since August 30th, which is almost three weeks now, and they can't, they can't get him back to the field. But uh, it's not just in Green Bay, Gary. That, that, that's the story in a lot of NFL cities. We, we live in a time now where, the, you know, the coaches do everything possible to get these guys to September and, and have them be healthy. And then the first time their bodies are actually struck by another human being in a, in a remarkably physical sport, yeah. what happens, right? Something yeah. negative happens, something bad happens and they wind up on the injured list. So yeah, yeah it's, it, it's a sign of the times, Gary. Yep. No, I, I agree. You know what? It, and I think most fans don't care if guys like Bakhtiari Jenkins go down. I mean, they come to see, quote, the stars, the quarterbacks, you know? And the NFL was really smart protecting the quarterbacks because once all these quarterbacks go down, I I think the fan interest is going to go down. So as long as you keep those guys, you know, on their feet, I I think the NFL is fine. Now, the NFL had all those load management issues last, whatever it is, last five, six years. And they finally addressed it somewhat uh, recently, but – um, as long as your star players show up, you you aren't going to hear any grumblings about injuries to basically anybody else, at least in my opinion. Well, Gary, I'll tell you what, though, right now, all the execs at CBS and, and NBC and ESPN are, are all calling each other saying, how do we get the Jets off <laughs> of their schedule? Off. Exactly. Right, how, how do we that, get the Jets that, back that, at noon every single Sunday and, and not and not the 3.30 late game with, with Jim Nance and Tony Romo, right? And not the Monday night football game because nobody wants to see Zach Wilson and that offense that's going to score 10 points a game. So yeah, yeah, uh, my, my point exactly, as long as the big boys <laughs> are healthy, fans don't care, you know? Just, you go, Gary, you know, you are right that fans don't care, but, but you know, players do and coaches obviously do too. And, and the yeah. offensive line still determines – uh, as much as any other position on that group on the, on a football team who wins and who loses games, games are still won and lost on the line of scrimmage. And you saw yesterday, I thought those guys held up. Okay. For the most part without Bakhtiari and then later on without Jenkins, but, but there, but there's a dramatic decline from, from a David Bakhtiari in his prime, or even David Bakhtiari still today as a, as a pretty good left tackle to Rashid Walker, or Yash Nijman. There, there, there's a dramatic and incredible no, decline. No, no question. No, from from uh, Elton Jenkins to Royce Newman. Royce Newman probably shouldn't even be on that football team, and he's got to come in and play, you know, half the game at, at left guard. And 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 again, they held up okay, but Gary, that's that that's not an ideal situation. Um, and and it's a big reason the Packers did have some struggles on offense and only were able to mount. 224 total yards. So your point is certainly valid. You're not putting on the TV on a Monday night to see the left tackle tonight for the saints or the, the, the left guard for the Steelers. You're, you're putting it on to right to, to, to see quarterback play and, and, and skill players and things like that. But, but those guys are completely taken out of the equation and out of the mix. If you can't block up front, just ask the New York jets. Yeah, exactly. I'm talking about star quarterback. I'm trying to think, is, is Rodgers the only quarterback that has gone down? I think so far, right? Well, we've only had the two games, right? I know, but we're saying everybody else is going down. No, you're right. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. the, the guy in Arizona hasn't made it back yet. Murray, yeah. it, maybe, maybe they'll just keep him in the garage as they try to get the number one pick, right, and and and, and not trot him out. I, yeah, so I they can't... can take Caleb Williams, you're saying? There you go. Right, exactly. <laughs> I don't believe I can't. I can't think of anyone else at this point. I, I the, yeah. the kid yesterday got concussed, right, and he had to leave the game. Richardson, the kid out of Florida. Yeah. Um, but but other than that, Gary, I don't. Yeah, I I don't think anybody else um, of starting start a start another starting quarterback has has been hurt. Yeah. You know, Rob, the uh, Packers obviously opened up the season on the road in Chicago, and uh, 
Yesterday they were on the road again in Atlanta. They finally get to come back to Lambeau Field, and they will host the Saints, who I, I think are maybe one of the dark horse picks, at least in my mind, for the NFC. Uh, I don't know if they're going to get to the championship, but they could be a pretty good team, and especially with Derek Carr. I mean, I, I still think he's one of the top ten quarterbacks in the league, and they got some really good young receivers, including my one of my favorite players, Alave, the former Ohio State kid. Uh, how, how do you see this uh, game matching up here? You're calling Derek Carr a top ten quarterback in the in the National Football League. I guess I, I guess I do forget the Raiders were your your Super Bowl pick two years ago, weren't they? Yeah, and they looked good for the first six games, and then ahem, injuries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy, you know what? I heard that place is just a disaster now. I mean, you know, since Gruden got fired, and they brought in uh, McDaniel and. They're not even the shell of the team they were, you know, a couple of years ago. So, anyways, your thoughts on, on the Saints and, and Jerry Carr? I'm certainly not as gung ho on the Saints as as you are. I I think that NFC South rivals the NFC North as the worst division in in the National Football League. Even, even though Atlanta, even though Atlanta and Tampa are are two and zero as as we do this podcast, Gary and. And and the Saints are one and all going into tonight's game. It, it to me, it's things will level themselves out and balance themselves out. I I think nine wins probably steals the the NFC South. That, that, I, that I agree with that too. Yeah. That's, that's a bad division, Gary. I, I and I think the Saints are the picture of mediocrity. Obviously, you know they've they've got Kamara suspended, so Green Bay's old pal Jamal Williams will largely tote the rock. I assume on. On on Sunday afternoon when when they come to Green Bay, there there are there are some gifted players, um, certainly in that wide receiver room. That that's probably the strength of that football team, at, at least on offense. Gary, like you said, I, I think Olave's a stud. He he he's an emerging young talent that they have, um, at, at wide receiver. And hey, Jair Alexander has to be fifty times better this week against Olave than he was against London. And and you would hope he takes his opponent much much more seriously than it, than it appears at least. He took Drake London, you know, kind of old pro Michael Thomas is still hanging around there, Gary. Um, player. He, he was a really good player. He's trying to work his way back to form. I think he's 30 now, you know, but they, they've got some depth and some talented players in, in that wide receiver room. So Green Bay will be challenged there in terms of stopping Carr and, and, and their weapons. They're they're okay on defense, Gary. They they they, they certainly have some standout players in, you know, a, a Cam Jordan and everyone around here knows Zach Vaughn. Um, you know, who, who played at the university of Wisconsin, a kid who grew up in West Bend for, you know, for most of his life before he moved over to Brown deer to, to kind of finish up as his high school career. Um, you know, he's, he's not an elite player, but he, but he plays a lot of snaps and he'll be fun. I think for, for old bad, for Badger fans to watch. And, you know, Demario Davis is a really good middle linebacker. Gary Lattimore is a stud on the corner. Tyron Matthews in the, in the defensive backfield, everybody, you know, a lot of people are familiar with his story all the way from LSU to, you know, mm-hmm. his path through the NFL. He, he's still one of the league's better free safety. So they, they do have some star power, Gary, on, on that side of the football, but they've got some holes too. And, and I think the biggest key Gary on Sunday for green Bay coming back is, is going to be is is Jordan Love playing so shorthanded again, or is he going to have Watson? Is he going to have Jones? Is he going to have his full complement of weapons? Because, it man, Gary, it's tough when you've got to play Malik Heath thirty snaps a game, or some of these young guys. I mean, Pat Gary Patrick Taylor shouldn't be on an NFL roster. Let's be honest, and 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 he's got to play a ton of snaps yesterday. Emmanuel Wilson's a fringe NFL player. He shouldn't be playing so many snaps yesterday. They need Jones back. They need Watson back. Maybe playing on grass helps Bakhtiari get back again. We'll find out more about Elton Jenkins later today. But Gary, if if Green Bay has its people, if Green Bay has, you know, even two of those three guys we just mentioned there between Bakhtiari, Jones, and Watson, I think they win the football game. Okay, prediction. I was gonna say I expect the defense to do some positive things, Gary, but now I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pump the brakes on that, um, <laughs> and, and, until Joe Barry is replaced, at least. Um, okay, yeah. Okay, let's, Jim let's, Leonard. Let's, Gary, let's Junior. go twenty-seven. Let's go twenty-seven, twenty-three. Green Bay. I think they get Watson back for sure. Maybe Jones, and I think Bakhtiari plays. Yeah. So twenty-seven. You said twenty-seven. What? I'm gonna say twenty-seven, twenty-three. Green Bay. Okay, four point difference. Um. 
that's funny. What's the early line? What's the early line, Gary? I haven't even looked. I, you know, I'm not sure either. Uh, yeah. But but I got the Packers. Believe it or not, at a four point favorite too. I got them at twenty four twenty. Okay. So we'll see. But yeah, I mean, they, if they get those guys back, they they should win. But if they don't, it could be another situation like uh, Atlanta. Hey, speaking of grass before Bakhtiari, I've asked a bunch of people about this, and nobody has given me a good 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 answer you saw when aaron Rodgers went down correct oh yeah okay now he tore his achilles right yep okay when somebody tears their achilles doesn't that hurt like hell oh like crazy yep okay yep. tell me one moment where you saw aaron Rodgers wince or show any sign of pain that whole sequence from the time he went down to the time he got in the cart until the time he popped popped off the cart in the uh, locker room, I never saw him wince or, or show any emotional distress. I mean, it was like, okay, I get it. If if you pop your Achilles, the holy cow, it, it was just kind of fluky and weird. Are you throwing out some Oliver Stone stuff here, Gary? No, I'm not, but I, I, I've never seen it. You know, I've seen guys in the NBA, you know, tear up their knees, you know, hamstrings or whatever, but, and they always react in a, in a really painful manner. But unless I'm mistaken, did you see Rodgers react that way? Well, we know Aaron Rodgers isn't Brett Favre, right? In terms of yeah. tough. He, he 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 missed that gene. So when I when I when I kind of mocked you there quickly, Gary, about the Oliver Stone stuff, you might be onto something. Because um, <laughs> the only time I will say he came close to that was when he tried to stand up and then he immediately sat back down. Right, and it, and it was apparent, at least it, it seemed apparent to him pretty quickly what he had done because apparently that you know, that, that tear shoots right up your leg and into your backside. And yeah. there's a stinging, sharp, brutal, crazy pain that comes through it, comes through with it. And, and, and I'm with you, Gary, he didn't, he didn't seem to react in, in quite that, in quite that manner. And, and now he's talking about making this remarkable comeback to, you know, be <laughs> there back. You and, go. <laughs> hey, let, let, listen, he obviously, he obviously tore the Achilles and, you know, you know who knows why his reaction was what it was, but but you're right, Gary. It, it is interesting how how his reaction was probably dramatically different than than a lot of a lot of guys out there. Rob, I just knew we wouldn't get through a show without talking about Aaron Rodgers, and I, did, I, I and Oliver Stone, Gary, our two <laughs> favorite people. Well, that that that's a given, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, oh, you know what? And I do have one other question. You know that regarding uh, Rodgers. He made he made a deal, and a lot of his teammates made a big deal. Randall Cobb, Bakhtiari, about how th- this went to happen on turf, and I totally disagree. I, I think an injury like that could have happened on grass. It could have happened anywhere, and uh, you know it's it's just a convenient way of players expressing their distaste for playing on turf. But but my point is. Don't you think that could have happened on grass as well, just as easily? I'm certainly not a doctor, Gary, but I've seen it happen many times on grass. Yeah, we, exactly. We've seen the exact same injuries, whether it's ACL, Achilles, it you know it it doesn't matter. I mean, they can happen on either surface. I I get it. The numbers suggest the chances are a little bit higher on turf than they are on grass um, of of an injury like that happening. But the bottom line is they've happened, and they've happened for 50 years. 100 years, 80 years, how long, you know, we've been playing football in these various cities. They've happened on all sorts of, of surfaces. And and I get it. The players like natural grass far more. They're, they're, are, are they quite as fast? No. Is, are, are, they, are they a little bit easier on the bodies? Yes. Um, but it's not going to change, Gary. And, the, you know, this is one thing the owners probably aren't going to bend on um, until maybe the next CBA, which is another seven years down the road. And and I, I I still don't even see him giving in on 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 that part in the negotiations, Gary, because there 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 simply is too much money at stake. The players would have to give something big time back to the owners for all the you know all the stadiums to eventually go to to natural grass. And 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 you're right, it's the perfect time for the players to yell and scream and holler about it because it happened to a Hall of Fame quarterback. 
But you're right, Gary. It could have happened to Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau Field in week one or, you know, out there in, in New York in, in week one. It, it wasn't the surface, Gary, that, that got Aaron Rodgers. It was the fact that Aaron Rodgers is almost 40 years old. His line stinks. He was going to run around all year long trying to avoid any kind of trouble. Yep. And, and, he run, and he can't run today the way he once did, and he also doesn't take care of his body the way he once did. You add all that up, Gary, and he was he was prime candidate number one in this league for an injury in 2023. It just happened four snaps into the season. Yeah, you know what? And and now I thought of something else. Rogers complained about that uh, tourist situation. If it was so important to him, if it bothered him so much, why did he go to the Jets? <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, if, if, it was, if it was such a major issue, Yep. Then why play in a stadium where you can play, you know, at least half your games, you know, on the turf. So anyways, Rob, good stuff as usual. Thanks, uh, my man, for everything. Any other uh, thoughts before we call it a day? No, pleasure is always mine. Uh, Gary, just (laughs) quick, uh, just a quick power ranking. I'm going to give you through the, through the league. You know, I, I, I told you at the start of the year, the AFC was dramatically superior to the NFC and and that might wind up still being the case, Gary, but I'll tell you right now, Dallas, Philly, and San Francisco look like they can play with anybody in the league. Dallas, I think is the best team in the league uh, early in the season. And and there's some powers in the AFC that don't look to me quite as good as I thought they were going to look the Bengals, uh, Buffalo, even Kansas city had some struggles yesterday in the win at Jacksonville. Jacksonville doesn't look as good. The chargers don't look as good. So, so Gary, that the, the NFC might wind up being, and and that's, what's always so, so wild about this. We think we know certain things in June, July, and August. And then, and then we, we, we realize we don't know nearly as much as we did by the time we get to October or November, the NFC might wind up being Gary a lot better than we thought it was going to be. Exactly. Well, Rob, thanks again. And uh, thanks to our expanding group of listeners. Take care and all the best. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Whipple and Whipple's 